Hi friends and welcome to another episode of the Oakham Church Podcast. We're in our Messiah series where we're working our way through the Gospel of John and seeing just how what John says and what John proclaims as Jesus being Messiah meant for the people back then, what it's meant throughout history and probably most importantly for us today, what it means for us here and now to make that um, recognition Uh, So something's been revealed and then how we respond to that revelation and then also to proclaim that ourselves as well, that Jesus is Messiah. And we've got to John chapter 3, a very well-known verse coming up within this reading, but I'm going to read the conversation, the encounter in its entirety. Here we have the Pharisee's Pharisee, Nicodemus, a very high up religious authority who comes to Jesus, we're told, in the middle of the night. And he has a set of questions for Jesus. He has to kind of do his own kind of exploring and digging deeper into what he's been hearing about what's been going on so far within this gospel story. So with that as said as an introduction, uh, I shall read John chapter 3, 1 to 21. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven, except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, But people loved darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light, and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. 
but whoever lives by truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Now within that section there, within that encounter, within that conversation at at night time between this Pharisee, Nicodemus and Jesus, we have probably the most well-known, well-memorised, most quoted verse in all of the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting or eternal life. John 3.16 We all know it, but the question is, do we? Do we really know it? And these big ideas were important when Jesus first spoke them over 2,000 years ago, late at night, to an interested Jewish religious expert called Nicodemus. And they are still important to anyone right now here in this podcast who's interested in, in going deeper, who's interested in the things underneath the things, who's interested in any kind of meaning or true reality or kind of inner stuff, the the important work. The message version of this verse puts it like this. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why, so that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. Now within this verse, this famous John 3.16 verse, we have key words that pop up. And from within those words, I think we're going to be able to get under the surface a little bit here. So as we travel through this verse, we're going to hit these words one at a time. So firstly, we have God. So straight off, the question is, which God? Because in that time in history, there were lots of different gods from lots of different places that are gods of lots of different things. But as good Torah-reading, Hebrew-speaking, Jewish rabbi speaking to another Jewish leader, Jesus is talking about Yahweh, the one true God. The creator of the universe where they get that prayer that they would pray every day the Shema Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad hear O Israel the Lord your God the Lord is one and not only that but that this God isn't distant that this God isn't just some kind of Greek thought, some philosophical idea, some mystical force. This God is present. This God feels. This God thinks. This God wills and moves and acts. This God loves. This God always does right. The only person who has ever consistently acted and thought and spoken in sync with this one true Yahweh God is the person speaking these words, Jesus. 
So there's God. For God so loved. We have that word love. It's this idea of unconditional, undeserved, unmerited love. It's why we had that series just recently gone, the Chesed series of this unconditional, loyal, steadfast, covenantal, never going to let you go kind of love. This love that's, that's a gift. This love that we can't do anything so good that we earn more of, or we can't do anything so bad that we earn less of. It's this gift. It's this grace. It's love. For God so loved the world. There's our next word, world. Now, a lot of the time, for a lot of kind of Christian history and Christian thought, we'll read or hear the word world and automatically think bad. And even in the book of John, when the word world is used, talking about this fallen, helpless, hopeless humanity, it's usually referring to the people and not the planet. In John 7, 7, Jesus says, the world cannot hate you. It hates me because it testifies against, I testify against its works and its works are evil. That's the world. It's talking about the people of the world. But hear this, it's not saying that God loves some people. Or it's not that God loves nice, friendly people. It's not that God loves the people that deserve it or God loves the people that love him back. It's that God loves the world. All people. You can go throughout the Hebrew scriptures and read all sorts of scandalous things about the love of God. That God writes about you in a book. That God keeps all of your scribbly tempts at pictures on God's fridge Not because they're perfect, but because they're yours. And you're not just loved. You are so loved. And you're not just loved because you believe something. You're not loved because you love Jesus. You're not loved because you come to church or read your Bible or spend so much time praying each day. No, you are so loved before anything else. You are so loved before you do anything. For God so loved the world that he gave. This giving is a gift. Sounds pretty obvious. The word for gift is the same word for grace. Just like we saw with love, grace is unmerited. It's unearned. It's God making the first move. This giving is from heaven to earth. John emphasises this idea by changing the word when we get to verse 17 from gave to sent. That someone has, was sent into the world. And as well, this idea of giving is also about sacrifice. It's this giving of a life. That God gave God's son to give his life. We're told while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God says, I've got some enemies who hate me. And 
they deserve to die, but I want you to go and die in their place. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That's the next word. This is another way to describe what John introduces in the opening verses, in this prologue to the the beginning, this introduction to the entire gospel that we looked at at right at the beginning of this series. The Word. In the beginning, there's that, again, that hyperlink back to Genesis 1-1. In the beginning was the Word, was the Logos, was Christ, was Messiah, was Blueprint. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word, or the Son, was God. And the Word, or the Son, was with God. That's who God sent. This isn't about moral principles. It's about a person. The Bible is about the Son. It's all about Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes, there's our next word, anyone who believes in this son. Now we see this verse shifts slightly. We have that first opening bit where we get to, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. It's almost like there's a separation there. And then the second half of the verse shifts, it pivots slightly. The the focus turns a little bit. See, it started off about being about God and and the Son. And now it shifted onto us. So this was about God and God's Son and what God has done. And now it's twisted slightly onto us. And now it's about what we do. So what does believe in the Son even mean? Is it believing in the idea of a Son who was sent? Or is it believing that Jesus historically and factually did exist? Or maybe it's believing what Jesus did and what Jesus said. Could it be believing that Jesus is who he says he is? You see, this simple often quoted and memorised verse is way more complex than it actually seems once we start digging, once we start peeling back the layers, once we start exploring the thing underneath the thing underneath the thing. Each word then opens up more and more questions. That's why I could understand this conversation with Nicodemus going on for far longer than we have recorded here in the Gospels. This could have been hours worth of conversation and back and forth and questions and answers and parables and questions and digging underneath the surface. See, belief moves us into faith, which has its own set of questions as well. And then faith moves us into trust. Now, John uses another word, receive. And believe and receive help to kind of define each other and interpret each other. So you can use the word believe to help you understand what he means by receive. And vice versa, you can use the word receive to help what John is talking about when he says the word believe. So what are we supposed to receive Jesus as? Because if you say you've received Jesus but you've only received him into your life to make you feel better 
or to make you feel more comfortable, like he's come round to fix your Wi-Fi, then that's not it. It's not about receiving Jesus for what you think he is. And it's not about receiving Jesus for what others have told you about in the past. It's about receiving Jesus for what and who he actually is. Living bread. Water for your soul. Treasure for your life. That satisfying hunger. That quenching of your thirst. That fulfilling of all of you. That Messiah. So we get on to our next word. Perish. Paul in the letters to the Romans tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And that word sin has all sorts of baggage and other things attached to it and might even sound kind of old-fashioned but it's this image that's used in ancient archery and it's all simply put it's about missing the target it's about there's the bullseye in the middle of the target and it's missed that's this idea of sin and since our first parents in the garden in genesis 3 we have all missed it over and over again this hebrew bible and this new testament is just example after example after example of someone who holds such promise and such such a good start and then somewhere along the way completely misses it we have all seen for ourselves and taken for ourselves and eaten for ourselves we have all done what we thought or what seemed right in our own eyes doesn't matter how hard we try, we all miss that target. And again, in Romans, Paul says that the wages, that's the cost or the penalty or the consequence, the wages of sin, missing that mark, the wages of sin for all of us, all people in all places, in all time, the wages of sin is death. That sounds like anything but good news, doesn't it? This verse is holding that up against our last word because it's saying, shall not perish. We're told that the inevitable isn't actually the end. That death doesn't get the last say. It doesn't have to be the end of our story. Because again, while we were all sinners, trying and yet failing and missing the mark, While that was still happening, God gave God's son, that Christ was sent, that Messiah was given, and that Jesus gave his life and paid those wages, paid that debt, paid those consequences of sin for us. And that's the good news. That's the best news that we could ever get. That's news worth singing about and shouting from the rooftops and telling everyone about because it changes everything. And that gets us to the final word in that verse. Life. This is eternal, everlasting life. And it isn't talking about living this life now, but uh, but forever. This is... This isn't just about talking about something that's going to go on after we die. This isn't just about putting up with our circumstances now so that we get the good stuff after. No, Jesus here is talking about a new life 
a fulfilled life, an abundant life that can be experienced here and now in this life. This is about a new life for a new creation, a redeemed life, an abundant life. It's what Jesus says to Nicodemus is called being reborn, born from above, born of the Spirit. Later in uh, John's Gospel, in John 6, 63, Jesus says, The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are full of the Spirit and life. The Spirit gives life. And in 1 John 5, 11, it says, And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. So the Spirit gives life, and this life is in God's Son. So we pay attention. We are awakened to God by and through the Spirit. And we are joined and united with this Son, this Word, this Logos, this Christ, this Messiah. And then in that union, in that joining with Messiah... Our life is hidden in Christ. Our life becomes life in and through him. And then we get to live fully and forever with Christ in that new life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Grace and peace.